Thrive. <clears throat> We've been on this series for a few weeks now, and uh, this is most of you guys' first time ever hearing me speak. So I know every time I hear a new person speak, I'm always like, man, is this guy going to be any good? So, <laughs> you know, occasionally I'm asked, you know, like, uh, who's your favorite speaker? And I always answer that the same way. I always say, you know, when I'm right, I just soon hear myself as anybody. So I'll let you take that for what it's worth uh, as we get started this morning. But, um, you know, it's funny. It's like when you got things to do and, you know, you, you have a word from God, it's like one of the one of the things the enemy can do sometimes is try to build anxiety in that. So last night, you know, I'm, I'm sitting around the house, you know, kind of getting ready to go. And I got called into work, you know, uh, which can be which can be long. Luckily, we got out of there pretty quick last night. While I'm at work, uh, Ann calls me. My son had been in a bicycle wreck and hurt himself pretty good. So, so like I'm talking to her about that. I'm telling the guys at work, so, you know, I may have to go. And, um, but anyways, he was all right. Uh, he did tell me on the phone that he almost bled out, but he was, you know, <laughs> we know that's not true. He's here this morning. But, you know, so I started asking, you know, thrive. What does it mean? What does it mean to thrive? You know, since we've started this series, I've, I've wondered that a lot of times. And, you know, I think for me, it means living without worry. And, you know, here lately, um, I've kind of had a few little health problems. I've probably been to the doctor more times in the last three weeks than I've been in the last 10 years. So here lately, what it's meant to thrive is having health insurance. And last night, I thought it was having a dental plan because my son looked like he might need that. But, uh, you know, it's, it's just, you know, as people, we, we just wonder about things. That's kind of how we are. Um, I, I've wondered before, you know, can vegetarians eat animal crackers? Is that allowed? You know, why Why is abbreviated such a long word? Um, how much deeper would the ocean be if it wasn't full of sponges? Um, if a turtle loses his shell, is he homeless or naked? I don't know. But, you know, I've also wondered what really happens when we die. What really happens? You know, what, what, what really, you know, what really happens? And so... I was thinking about that. I was like, you know, and how do we, when we think about this message series? It's like, and how do we how do we thrive after we die? Well, you know, there's really only two things that can happen when we die. We can either go to heaven, or we can go to hell. And so I was thinking about that. So I was like, you know, it's kind of like the same as I talked earlier about how we thrive when we're alive. Um, the Bible uh, says that that hell will be there will be gnashing of teeth. So that sounds like no dental plan to me. Um, so it's either eternal dental plan or not heaven or hell two choices so so the question is is you know what really happens so this morning we're going to use the scripture first thessalonians 4 13 through 18 and you can turn there if you want to it'll be on the screen but i'm going to read it and it's, it's kind of lengthy but just uh just bear bear with me it says brothers and sisters we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope for we believe that Jesus died and rose again, so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. According to the Lord's word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel and the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. When I read that, I was like, what in the world does this mean? And I wondered for a long time, I'm like, does this mean like, 
If I'm standing on the grave of a 5,000-year-old lost person, the, the moment that Jesus comes back, does this mean like there's going to be some mummy that comes out of the ground? and Because that's going to freak me out. And this, this, this is talking about hope and encouragement. And so I, so I wondered, I was like, you know, this is written to the people of that time. And they wondered, they're like, you know, when Jesus told, foretold his, his, com, his returning, they, they thought, or they, they assumed that, you know, cause the Bible says we don't know the hour of the day. They, it might be a month. It might be a few years. You know, they thought, they, they thought this is going to be immediate. So they're wondering as people are passing away, you know, what's, what's going to happen? You know, they, they didn't live to the time that he returns. So this is an assurance to them. But it's also an assurance to us that as we lose loved ones, as we go forward, that if they have salvation in Christ, we will be rejoined with them. So I was thinking about this, and I was like, well, you know, where else in the Bible does it talk about, you know, when we go back? Well, Luke twenty three forty three, Jesus says to the thief on the cross, today you will be with me in paradise. And then I've heard a lot of people say it, um, at funerals, you know, absent from the body, present with the Lord. I think they pull that a little bit out of context, but, you know, but, but what is it? So where I used to go to church at, um, the pastor there was in seminary and, uh, I used to go with him to seminary as a guest, um, and sit through some of his classes. And I found it, you know, pretty interesting. And one night that I happened to be there, um, they talked about this particular scripture and, and a guy asked said, you know, what is it, what does it mean about the dead in Christ rising first? What does that mean? And, and the guy said, you know, he, he said, this is my opinion. So keep in mind, this is his opinion. He said that, uh, I believe that how we measure time is not relevant to God. He's not bound by the laws of our clock. So, so what does that mean? So he said, and he gave this example. He said, suppose we were at the, the Macy's Day Parade and we're standing on the street corner and we're watching the floats go by. What can you see? What do you see? He said, as you watch that go by, you see the, you see the float in front of you. And you see, you might be able to see the one that's kind of going around the corner and you might be able to see the one that's coming, but, but you don't see a whole lot from the street view of that. He said, but suppose you were higher. Suppose you were higher than the street view. And you're, and you're looking and, uh, you could see, you could see more of this parade. You could see maybe where it's going, maybe where it's been. And the more disconnected you are from the earth, the more eternal your vision. And God's not connected to this earth at all. So, you know, he he simply stated that, you know, God's outside the laws of our time. We're on the street corner, and it's almost like he has the helicopter view. You know, th- when you if you think about it, when you're eternal, as God is, time's really irrelevant. It doesn't even matter, because it's not, it's not, there's no need, if something with a beginning, no beginning and no end, there's no need in measuring it because you can't measure. It's beyond measure. So things that so things that seem like ages ages away for us are just almost instantaneous to God because his view's different. He looks at it completely different. And you know, I don't, I don't know you know exactly all how that all works, but I, but I do, I know that personally I like this explanation. But what I do know is there are only two things that happen when we die. And it's completely based on our choices that come before that moment. What do we decide? You know, I've touched on it before. It's a heaven or hell choice. It's an eternal dental plan or, or gnashing of teeth, which sounds like an eternal root canal. Um, <laughs> so, so, you know, what, what we, what we do now decides what happens when we die. It's really that simple. Um, 
You know, Hoffman works with a lot of people in retirement. It's kind of like saving for retirement. You know, we have to make some sacrifices today to be able to put up for our future. And it's no different in God's kingdom. We can, we have we have a choice to make. We can choose temporary consequences with eternal rewards or temporary rewards with eternal consequences. Temporary consequences, eternal rewards, temporary rewards, eternal consequences. It's our choice. You know, God gives us the freedom to make the choice for ourselves, what we do. How, how committed are we going to be? How far, how far are we going to take this relationship with Christ? You know, when we think about the, the fact that our choices affect our eternity, it's one of those things that we also wonder and sometimes worry about, right? I mean, we, 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 we do it. We dwell on those things. So by just a quick show of hands, how many people in here like the X-Men? X-Men. All right, so I like the X-Men. So in their uh, in their latest movie, Days of Future Past, the X-Men of today must travel back in time and team up with their past selves to defeat an enemy. They had a life and death reason to go back in time to do this. And um, I know that time travel is impossible, but, but how often do we get into the time machine of our mind and relive memories and things that we've done in the past over and over and over and over again. How often do we relive the regret of choices that we made sometime, sometime before? We do it. It's really hard. I mean, God, God can forgive and forget, but it's that forgive part for us is tough, right? Or it is for me anyways. So we do that, you know, when we let, but you know, here's the thing. If we can get to that point where we let go of that regret, God can open up opportunities for us today. If we can let go of that regret, God will open up opportunities for us today. So often, though, just like a malfunctioning movie projector, we just we replay those scenes in our brains over and over and over and over again, just reliving that deep sense of guilt and shame for the things that we've done over and over again. And in many ways, you know, it's a it's a we have life or death things going on in our past past. We're, you know, we think these things, sometimes we think they don't bother us, but they do. They're a hindrance. They're a distraction from what God wants us to do in life. We can't seem to escape the uh, emotional and spiritual death that these replays cause. If they could only been avoided, if we could have only avoided it, if somehow we could go back and change it, if somehow we could go back and fix those things, it'd make such a difference now. But we can't do that. You know, um... I'd like to go back and meet my younger self and fix some of these things, and I'd also like to be Wolverine, but uh <laughs> some things aren't just just aren't going to happen. I mean, it'd be pretty cool, right? And my son's like, cut up my hot dog. I was like, anything else? Anything else you need there? Uh, um, and you know, my son, he's he's hurt this morning. Maybe if he was more like Wolverine, he could heal faster. I don't know, but but you know, these things are just not possible. So we have to, we have to look forward. We have to look forward into the, into the future. And so the, so the question is, is like, you know, how, how do we do this? How do we, how do we thrive when we're caught up sometimes in our past mistakes and we're dwelling on that? So what, let's see what Jesus has to say about it. In Luke chapter nine, verse 62, um, you can turn there if you want. This is what he says. Jesus replied, no one who puts a plan to the plow, a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. Man, that's huge, isn't it? 
When I read that and I thought about, you know, how much time I've wasted, you know, trying to fix things, going back over in my mind, you know, what if this wouldn't have happened? What if that wouldn't have happened? How would things be different? It says, anyone who puts a hand to the plow and looks back isn't fit for the kingdom of God. So, it's, it's how, do, how, do we get, how do we get past that? In the service of Christ, I mean, we can't look back. We can't do it. We gotta look forward. Instead of worrying about what was our fault in the past, we gotta worry about what's gonna be our fault in the future. We must follow with the attitude that what happens in the future is gonna be our fault. And I mean that in a good way. How do, how do, you know, when I was a youth pastor, I had parents that would come to me all the time. They would say, you know, I made all these mistakes with my kid and it's, you know, our relationship just isn't where, where it should be. How do I fix that? And it's like, you know what? You can't. You got to focus on today and tomorrow. You can't fix yesterday. That's done. You got to go forward. You got to, and you got to decide that tomorrow I'm going to make it my fault in the best way possible. And we got to, and we got to begin to own that. It's the same way as Christians. If you're looking back with your hand to the plow, you will, you won't see the rock in the head of you in the field and you'll be hung on it. You gotta pay attention to where you're going. You gotta look forward. Is it easy? No. It's not easy. But we must, we gotta focus on going forward. You know, our sins have been buried in the deepest ocean, the Bible says. So, you know, I, w- I wanna say it this way. We're facing a battle with an enemy, much like the X-Men were. And, the, and that enemy seeks to destroy us. And unlike our heroes, we can't change the past. So we have to look forward, confess the past, change the way we used to think, and claim this promise that's found in Micah. And this, this today, and it comes from Micah 7:19. it says, You will again have compassion on us. You will tread our sins underfoot and hurl all our iniquities into the depths of the sea. Forget the past. Let go of the regret, and God will open up for us opportunities to focus on the life and death situations that we face in the future. And that's where our focus needs to be, forward, forward. And just like the X-Men, God has uniquely gifted everyone in here to serve a purpose in his kingdom. We're as unique as they are in what God, in the plan that God has for us. <clears throat> we all, we all have different spiritual gifts and abilities so we can advance his kingdom into eternity. What we have to decide is, do we want the temporary rewards and eternal consequences or temporary consequences and eternal rewards? It's that, it's that simple. I know it sounds, you know, when we get up here and, you know, speakers get up and they speak and they talk about things, it's like, well, you make it sound so easy. Well, let me tell you something. I'm speaking to myself as much as I am anybody in this room. None of this is easy. It's a daily choice we have to make. I believe that, uh, God gives you more than salvation when you come to a relationship in him. If it was simply about salvation, I, I believe that he'd just kill you and take you on to heaven before you can mess it up. Because we do, right? I mean, that's, that's where we live. I mean, because he doesn't do that, that means he has to have a plan for each of us. And that plan is the lordship that we need to find in our life to get up every day and decide, today I'm going to serve God. Today, Today, regardless of what happened yesterday, I'm going to move forward, I'm going to put my hand to the plow, and I'm going to do what God would have me to do. It's a choice. 
that we have to make. So how, so how, you know, how do we take hold of these opportunities? How do we, how do we make an impact on what really happens when we die? Well, number one, first of all, we have to make a, we have to make a choice that puts us in one of those two categories. We have to decide to accept Christ as Savior or to not. Either is a choice. And you know, it's funny. A lot of times we think, well, you know, I don't want to say no. Well, you know, sometimes the enemy doesn't want you to say no. Sometimes he just wants you to wait. Because if you wait long enough, that's really the same as saying no, right? The only thing that you can procrastinate and actually be ahead is taking down your Christmas tree. If you don't take it down long enough, eventually you'll be in front of everybody else who still hadn't put theirs up yet. <laughs> it's not it's not true with eternity. It's a today situation. It's a day it's a today choice. Wait, never know. You may not get that next opportunity. We see people come and go all the time for all kinds of different reasons. It's a today choice. Eternity is today. Salvation is today. It's a today choice. What if we're saved? Does that mean does that mean we're finished? Absolutely not. We have to figure out how to put our hand to the plow without looking back and go forward so we don't get hung on the rocks. Now, I'm just going to go ahead and tell you, I've been hung on a lot of rocks. And probably probably have it in my future to be hung on many more. But we had to pick it up and we got to move on. Um, when Hoffman was speaking several weeks ago, he used some water and uh, some containers to talk about what it looked like to thrive. And I, I want to talk about this illustration and talk about how these each step of that illustration is an opportunity that we each have. If I if I don't have a cup, but I want you to imagine for a second that I did have a cup up here. And that first choice is that cup that cup is empty until it's filled. And that's the very first step in that process. If you're empty, you need to be filled. And that's the choice that you make. That's the choice that you make when you enter that relationship, that saving relationship with Jesus Christ, and you allow him to fill you. What if we stop there? What if we choose that that's all as far as we want to go? What would happen if I filled a, if I filled a container full of water and I set it in my driveway full of water and left it there? What would happen to it? It becomes stagnant. Stagnant water, you know, when a, when water sits for a long time, it becomes stagnant. And slowly over time, it becomes less and less useful. Our churches today, not this church only, is full of Christians that have made the choice to be filled, but they've, they've, but they've become stagnant. They, they go to church, they hear the word, but they don't do anything with it. What do we do with it if we're stagnant? Well, if you're stagnant, if you'll remember, Chris was pouring that water in that cup, and once it was filled, it started to flow over. So I'm going to tell you this. If you're stagnant, you need to be flowing. You need to get the water flowing, and very quickly, it'll become useful again. That's how it works. Stagnant water, once it begins to flow, it becomes useful very quickly again. And God can do that same thing in our hearts today. If you've become that Christian, you know, maybe maybe you were really active for a while. Maybe you were really engaged and plugged into God's plan for a while. But over time, you said, you know... Nobody else is doing this. I'm doing more than everybody else, or I've done enough. And you've become stagnant. You need to be flowing. You need to be useful again to those people who are around you. This is finding that lordship that I talked about and deciding daily 
that you're going to follow him. What, what if God calls you further than that? What if you're called? If you're called, you need to be intentional. I kind of wish I had those pictures up here. I decided not. I thought about bringing them and I I thought about not. So this is what I'm going to say. As I said before, God's uniquely gifted each of us. And sometimes he calls on us to put some of that overflow in a place that's very intentional. And that's what a call looks like. So first of all, you have to be filled. And then if you're not flowing and you become stagnant, you got to get it flowing. And if God calls you, you got to be intentional. You gotta, you gotta imagine that as that cup's overflowing to the people around you, that's the natural thing. If you captured some of that overflow and you took it somewhere and you put it somewhere very intentional, you poured it somewhere very intentional. That can be as big as world missions, that can be as small as leading a small group here at our church. It's intentional. Intentional service. Not just showing up, not just, not just showing up and being filled over and over, because if all, if simply all you get is filled, you become stagnant. So where do you fit? Where do I fit? Where do I fit? <clears throat> what does a call what does a call look like? If you're empty, you need to be filled. If you're stagnant, you need to be flowing. And if you're called, you need to be intentional. Like I said, that can look different for a lot of us. The filled part doesn't look different for all of us. We all have to we all have to accept Christ. I mean, that's the only way. <clears throat> we need to be flowing. We need to make a difference and an impact in those around us. If God calls you to a specific plan, maybe it's to step up to a leadership role here. Maybe it's as simple as witnessing to a family member. You need to take some of that overflow and you need to put it in that spot where he's told you to and be very intentional about that. And he'll gift you to do that. We talked about being uniquely gifted. He'll, he'll gift you. You know, a lot of times we get called and we, it's like every excuse in the book. I don't have time. I don't have the skills. I'm not, you know, I, this is, you know, this is not the right time in my life. You know, I, I've, I've dealt with some of those things even this year. When I first came here, my, my work had gotten completely crazy out of control. And I didn't know what that was going to look like on the secondary side, but I talked to my wife about it. I prayed about it a lot and I went in one day and I'm like, you know what guys? It's got to stop. It's completely changed who I am. You know, my boss looked at me pretty funny when I, when I said, you know, I was sitting in church the other day. The pastor preached a sermon on what's stolen our identity. And I was like, it's work. My boss looked at me. He goes, you mean you're going to, you're going to quit your job over something you heard at church? No, I'm going to quit my job over what God told me while I was listening to his word at church. And you know, it's, it's not an easy thing to do, especially, I mean, how easy is it to find a job nowadays? Not very. Can't let it, you can't let it become who you are though. You can't let it steal everything in your life that you do just to have a job. If Satan can keep you busy, if the enemy can keep you busy or convince you to wait, I mean, he's one. We have to make a choice. We have to be intentional once we're called. If you're empty, the question I have for you this morning is what's holding you back? If you're stagnant, what's keeping you from flowing? What's keeping you from taking that next step and becoming a person, a Christian, that affects the people around you at work and in your everyday environment? And if you're called by God, what's, keep, what's keeping you from intentionally fulfilling that purpose? Because if he called you, he'll equip you. He'll put you where you need to be. He'll, he'll give you the tools to step up and do what you need to do, but you've got to be willing to take that step. He's not going to force you to take it.
He's not going to force you to go forward. So if you're empty, what's holding you back? If you're stagnant, what's keeping you from flowing? If you're called by God, what's ultimately keeping you from fulfilling his purpose? There are no time machines. Don't look back. Look forward. That's the way we need to be looking. So I want to ask you just for a moment where you're sitting. Take your hands and kind of place them in front of you and make like a cup. And I want to ask you this morning, you know, this pretty much... uh, Pretty much almost all of us fit into one of those three categories. So I want you to take this morning, you can take, you can take it off. I want you to take this morning and I want you to put the thing that's keeping you from taking that next step, I want you to put it in your hands in front of you. Now that you got it there, I want you to close your eyes. Father God, just, I, I pray God that you'd help each one of us to see the thing that's keeping us from taking that next step. It's keeping us from going forward and figuring out what our plan, what your plan is for us. God, if, if we're if we're empty and we need to be filled, I pray, God, that you show us that thing. If we're stagnant and we need to, to get back flowing, God, I pray that you'd show us what that thing is. If we're called and we need to be intentional, I pray that you show us that. With your head still bowed and your eyes closed, Do you see it? Do you see that thing? Because for almost everybody, it's always just one thing, but it seems so big. You see, there's something we're looking back at or something because we're looking back that we've hung on that rock. Can you give that thing to God this morning? Can you, can you, can you give him that so he can take you forward to the next step? Because if you can, that's huge. So I just want to ask you this morning, you know, it's, lights are dim, everybody's got their head bowed and eyes closed. If you're empty this morning and you need to be filled, would you just look at me? I'd like to pray for you. I'd like to know, I'd just like to, I'm not going to point you out in any way, I'd just like to pray for you. You know, maybe you're here this morning and you look back and the thing you're looking back on is, you, you, you're like, I used to be fired up for God. Man, I used to want to stay in my Bible. I used to want to do all the things at the church. And now I just, I don't have time or it just seems too hard or I don't get out of what I used to get out of it. Can you just look at me this morning? I'd like to pray for you. Thank you. You know, maybe you're here this morning and, you know, God's called you in some way. He's called you into some service and you know it as well as you know you're sitting here this morning. But you got that one thing in your hands and you can't step over it. Would you just look at me this morning? I'd like to know how to pray for you. In a minute, we're going to sing, and this is what my prayer for you this week. Find a way to deal with that one thing. Write it down somewhere. Write it in the front of your Bible. And if it's this morning, if it's that you're empty and you need to be filled, talk to me after service. Talk to somebody else. We can take care of that today. Salvation is today. If it's that you're stagnant and you need to be flowing, you know, there's people you can talk to about that. You can talk to me. I mean, we can get you on that track. There's lots of opportunities here in our church. There's lots of opportunities in our world. If you're called, I mean, I don't think there's anything more blessing to a pastor's heart than hear that some of his 
sheep have been called. Talk to Rod. He remembers what it's like. He was called to do what he does today that is the reason that we're all here today. We have to be willing to accept that call. So guys, just before the band starts to sing, look at your hands again and think about that thing that's keeping you from moving forward. I just want to challenge each of you. Do what it takes to go forward.